Houston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Saturday morning here, and we are back with another episode of Coast to Coast. I'm uh, joined with a very tired-looking Christian uh, Nambu. How's it going, man? Correction, it is a very early Saturday morning. But <laughs> look, man, happy to do anything for you. you you've always uh, been going well into the night for me after work for, for days, so ha- happy to jump on this morning. What's up, man? You, on the other hand, you look quite happy my, my my next fan over here just glowing you just have this glow about you I, I'm, I'm not even gonna ask a question I, i'm just gonna like just just turn on the fire hose and just let it loose i i, I know you just want to go off about the the recent next success everything's going crazy yeah man i'm delighted we we didn't record we weren't able to record last night and we got to do it now we get to really <laughs> talk them up i mean last night against the Mavs, julius randall just going just doing julius randall things this season 44 points 10 boards seven assists i mean the guy was just on fire and we won five games in a row i mean we were looking like we were about to just go back to the normal knicks this time last week and we we're gonna slip back and maybe not even make it into the play playing tournament now we're, we're looking sitting pretty and sick in sixth place in the east we might just make it straight into the playoffs what the hell is going on Listen, man, my, my favorite part about this too is, you know, I don't I don't want to take away from Julius Randle's success and put the shine somewhere else, but just to just to pop away for a second, Twitter was going absolutely nuts over the not just Julius Randle, but more importantly, connecting that to KP, who came in back to the garden and and didn't get a win against his former team. And this seemed like the perfect time for everybody to now make their final evaluation that the Knicks have officially won the KP trade because <laughs> Julius Randle has evolved into a demigod at the power forward. And I, you know, I, when you look at it long-term, when you look at how that deal has, has gone down, when you look at how, how Przingis has still struggled to stay healthy and, and how the team has, has really built itself up to this point. I'm not sure if it's a direct win. I, I don't know, but, but in terms of where the Knicks are now, you, you gotta be pretty happy uh, to, to be having your former star coming in the garden and then welcoming him with this new Knicks identity. Um, That has really, really been a point of fascination for me this year. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, as you said, it's kind of hard to call it a direct win because I feel like nothing we really got directly out of the trade. You you got quickly. It it led to quickly. Okay, okay, okay. That's that's fair. I'll I'll take that. But yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I mean, when, when when the trade originally went down, I think I wasn't alone in thinking, what the hell have we done here? We've really dropped the ball and just shown that we don't really have any ambition here in New York. But 
things have turned around. We've got a coach in. We've got a group of players willing to commit to his philosophy, and, and things are going great. And Julius Randle's having having himself a career year, and you can't knock that. We got uh, RJ Barrett. He's had some struggles, but I still believe he's having an improvement on, on his rookie year, which is kind of a huge thing when the guy's only 20 years old. And then, of course, we got we just in terms of defense, we are right up there with one of the be- one of the best teams in the league at, at the moment. Absolutely, which is absolutely. And um, you know, I'm I'm not going to take back the criticisms I've had of RJ Barrett and, and how he's looked as a shooter, but I I absolutely won't uh, stick with that and, and say that he hasn't shown that just this year alone uh, he's he's become a better spotter shooter he's been better shooting against closeouts i mean he shot that huge three-pointer over over porzingis that seven foot six outstretched wingspan he shot it over in him and for, for rj you know with his wingspan himself i mean if he can become a, a decent um off-ball shooter like that with his wingspan I mean, it's gonna to be tough for opposing guards to really effectively close out on him and and it's it's really becoming an interesting duo for me him and Julius Randle um I know and then in the future we're gonna to want to be talking about some young duos I'm not sure if Julius Randle necessarily counts as young but <laughs> but they're they're starting to look good together and 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 the last point on, on the KP trade you, know, you got quickly, you got the cap space to sign Julius Randle. You got the cap space, you, you're able to uh, sign Reggie Bullock. And and just the, the, that seemed to be like this initiator of all these events. But additional points to that is the Mavericks right now are sitting in the play-in tournament. Um, you know, every Knicks win against the Mavs is just helping them sink further down for the pick that you guys have for, what is it, this year and and next next year or 2023, you have two upcoming picks for a team that I projected would be easily. I, I thought with with the combination of Luca and Porzingis that they would be top six seed. I mean, you guys are going to be getting a pretty solid pick for a couple of years, I think, out of them. Yeah, that's great. And I think uh, even if if needs be, we could also look to to, to include that. In, in trades as well, which is which is a big thing for us because obviously this team isn't 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 the fin- isn't the finished product yet. So mm-hmm. we still gotta have the eye on, on the trade market and free agency and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's definitely a great move for us. And then like we got that duo in the starting lineup and then we got our our D Rose Alec Burks uh, duo coming off the bench and they're just they're balling now and I'm, I'm loving seeing those two guys coming off the bench having a having a great impact especially for D Rose after the first his first stint in New York was was a bit of a nightmare but uh, since he's since he's returned he he's really been a huge impact player for us. Yeah, I I, I usually go crazy um, with rookie comparisons and I'm probably wrong 90% of the time. One of the comparisons I made was Dennis Smith Jr. being a diet Derrick Rose. So funny to ha- see you guys trade for him and, and flip him for for Derrick Rose. But th- and this is a thread that I, I kind of want to talk about for a little bit because it's, as a Bulls fan, um, the glory days for my generation, um, for those of us who, who didn't really, we may have seen... Jordan as a very young child, it wasn't really as connected to it as we were to the the Deng, Noah, Rose, um, Gibson era, the Tibbs era. And to see the Knicks play like this, to, to see them be this reflection of Tibbs' former team in Chicago is so interesting because it, it's such a testament, not just to the Bulls culture back then, but I, I think 
really what we have to call it is Tom Thibodeau culture. And Tom Thibodeau is a guy who doesn't just change his philosophy because the NBA is changing, doesn't change his strategy because the NBA is changing. I mean, he's, he's certainly incorporated more, more three-point shooting than he has in the past. But I mean, that, that grit, hustle, defense, blood, sweat, and tears, play your, your best players 40 minutes, give them a chance to, to be the heroes and win the game. That, that identity still stays there with, with Thibodeau, who remains to be one of the best defensive coaches in the league. I mean, the, the Knicks are scrapping together. I mean, you, you, don't have, you don't have your Ben Simmons, your, your Joel Embiid's, your Rudy Gobert's. I mean, New Orleans Noel is, is a fantastic defensive player. If Mitchell Robinson's healthy too, that, that guy's a beast. But you guys don't have defensive player of the year type players, but you guys are putting together a team defense that's just destroying teams. And to see this connection to the past, I, I don't know if you've put any thought to it, but like how, how has it felt to kind of uh, see a new identity for the Knicks and, and really just any identity, but for it to be this, this Tom Thibodeau, it, it feels very perfect for a New York. Yeah, it works well. I think that was kind of any of the, the great teams I won't say great, that's a bit of a stretch. The Knicks haven't had any great Go teams, for it. but Go any, for it. any of the good teams the Knicks have had uh, oh, over the last 20, 30 years, they're often, they've often been based around defense. And Coach Tibbs has come in, and some teams have kind of tried with him and have kind of wanted him to adapt, but that's not his style. If you're going to go for a guy like Tom Thibodeau, you got to bring him in. Just let him do his thing. And you, as a franchise, you have to fully commit to him. He's not going to waver. He's too long into it now. He's had too much success. He ain't going to waver on the way he likes to build his teams. And that's the biggest thing because the Knicks over the last few years, they've been changing coaches. They've never really bought into to the coaches that they've, that they've brought in. And now they've just accepted that this is the way it has to be. And thankfully, not only the hierarchy but the team as a whole has bought into Tom Thibodeau and it's bringing us success so how the hell can you not love it <laughs> what, watching I mean just man just watching Rose and Gibson out there um Mitchell and and Noel making Noah type uh defensive plays well and the way that uh RJ Barrett cuts to the basket gives me if I squint hard enough and I, and I really stretch every fiber of, of my nostalgia, just gives me dang vibes of dang, just <laughs> diving to the rim. But, but man, like I, I'm really interested, not just, uh, you know, this, this reflection of Tibbs former team to now, but, but how the bulls as today currently constructed are um, going to contrast with uh, the Knicks in, in few, and not just this season. Cause I, I maybe we, maybe you want to talk about it, but how the Bulls have looked recently. It's, it's not quite as exciting as, as the first five win streak in New York in quite some time. But but for these two teams, I mean, that you have um, Julius Randle, who's looking like most improved player, who's who's looking like a guy who's really jumped into stardom from, from being a castaway Laker. Mm. And same thing with Levine being a guy who's been doubted for much of his career and jumping into stardom this year, both first time all-stars, two teams, uh, two big market teams trying to push into contention after not being relevant for quite some time Two well-known coaches who have a reputation to uphold. Um, It's going to be a really interesting, I think, clash if, if these two teams continue to build and continue to, to become more competitive in, in the Eastern Conference. Um, I mean, the Knicks are currently already very competitive. Um, the, the Bulls need a, a couple more ingredients there, I think, to, to be on the same level. But I, I think it's interesting that 
these two teams are kind of percolating at this point. And I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see the future Knicks Bulls games that, you know, we might not have even thought of turning the television on for in the past. Yeah, I think uh, if things keep going in the right direction, especially now, hopefully with after this season, but all team all teams will have a full off season to to get themselves in shape, to work on their games, to make to make some additions, and maybe over the next season or two, I mean, we'll be looking at the Knicks and the Bulls as as games that are going to be nationally televised games. Like that, when's the last time that we we really saw? <laughs> A Knicks Bulls game on, on national TV. I mean, it, it, it's been it's been it's been a been a long time. But the way things are going, the the coaching setups that are in place, the the young guys and kind of the the more veteran stars that are there, it looks like it's going in the right direction for both teams. New York, obviously, at the moment is looking like it's a bit more put together than the Bulls. But the Bulls, they're gonna they're gonna be all right. The the talent that they've got. <laughs> And I think that they're gonna they're know. gonna be they're gonna be able to they're they're a smart franchise they'll make they'll make the right moves to give to just give Billy Donovan and the likes of obviously Vucevic and, and Levine the best opportunity to to get themselves back into the playoffs. And unfortunately, right now, Ronan, I'll tell you the best case scenario for the Chicago Bulls at the moment is um, you know hopefully Levine gets better soon. I, I hope he doesn't have a serious illness. Um, I hope this is a quote unquote. COVID protocol. I hope they just told him, hey, take the rest of the season off, get better. Because listen, the way that since Vucevic came to this team, the way that everyone else has just shriveled up and and hid behind uh, Levine and Vucevic has just been so disappointing. I mean, I I don't, it'll take a lot, I think, for, I mean, Kobe White had 27 points last night against the Grizzlies, but didn't uh, help with a 37-point third quarter against a team that you literally just faced the other day that smacked you in the third quarter as well. Just more signs that I I think that either um, Kobe and Lowry aren't ready yet, um, and Lowry is is, is slowly, but surely, he's really hurting his his stock. I, I, I think the best case scenario for this team is that they tank <laughs> and manage to keep their pick in, in a good draft this year. Cause if they, they don't survive the playing tournament, if they don't even make it to the playing tournament and they lose their pick in a year that they really put all the chips in the table for Vucevic, who's a fantastic player. He's an all-star. He's a bona fide top five center, I believe in this league with his offense, but that isn't the championship move. That's the push you into top eight in the East move. And if you're not making it top eight in the East with that move, that's really that, that and that you're going to lose your pick. I mean, that's it's a terrible situation. You got to keep your pick at any cost. And, and really, like I said, two totally different places, even though I think our trajectories are the same, but the bulls are in a really, really scary, precarious place right now. And, and especially the way that they conducted themselves at the trade deadline. Yeah, we'll call it. We'll call it there. We'll say the Knicks are legends and the Bulls are a question mark. There we go. <laughs> basically, basically, but but real quick, I, we we never had the chance to talk about the Eastern Conference in the light of how it's. I think we had this little pipe dream early on in January with, with how the Eastern Conference teams were, were playing and the Western Conference seemed a little bit slow. That we we're like, oh, wait, okay, maybe this is the year Eastern Conference they have some talent. Maybe they're actually starting to take. Now the, the Western Conference is still the superior conference. But what I found interesting when I'm when I'm thinking about this Tibbs 
New York uh, connection and then thinking about his connection to the 76ers um, and thinking about Jimmy over there in Miami and then looking at the, these elite teams with Giannis and in uh, Milwaukee. Um, I'm kind of seeing and in the way I've seen uh, these teams play it. It's such a unique style of basketball for these teams um, in this modern era. You, you guys, you got guys like Jimmy Butler, who's this, who's this gritty shooting guard. He's not that step back three, shoot as many threes as possible, get as many high pick and rolls as possible. He's a back to the basket, play hard nose defense, get to the rim as much as possible. And then you got Joel Embiid, it's back to the basket, destroy every big you have on your team, put them all into foul trouble. Ben Simmons, who can't even shoot a three, but he looks, he looks like the he looks like Thanos on defense. I mean, they, they got two defensive player of the year candidates on that team. And then of course Giannis, you don't have to talk about how physically Giannis is, but I, I feel like in especially with the Knicks, the Knicks too, like coming into the fold in this way the way that these teams in the Eastern conference, it, it feels like it's become like this really physical, physical uh, conference. Like the best teams are, are relying a lot on physicality, defense, hustle to be successful teams. And I, I think that's an interesting identity that's starting to emerge in, in the Eastern conference. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of an old school way of going about it, but it's just kind of the way that it's almost as if they've, they've just stumbled upon this. <laughs> I don't think there was a, there was a plan in place. It just sort of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sort of happened. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we saw, especially last year with, uh, with the heat, the heat were a team that were totally based around uh, a high level of defense. And then of course their guys were able to step up huge come playoff time. And now this season we're kind of seeing it more wide scale i mean the books have always been a good defensive team they've got the the reigning defensive player of the year and the reigning mvp and they've got it on both ends but at the same time they would i think they'd be willing to rely on their defense more so than all-out offense and that's similar to uh to philadelphia and, uh, and absolutely with the knicks i think the only team that are kind of one of the top teams in the east that are looking at at uh at offense over defense is the Nets. Not that there are any slouches on defense. They're actually, they've been far more impressive than I thought they would be in terms of a defensive unit, but they're kind of the only ones that you're really saying they're an all-out offensive team compared rather than an all-out defensive team. Yeah, if you think about the Eastern Conference, like the Heat, the 76ers, and the Bucks, they'd be basically be like the guys getting to work and and their Ford F-350s. Uh, 70, so they got a bunch of mud on the side of their truck, a bunch of scratches, just putting in hard work. And then the, the nets, uh, they, they take out a second mortgage on their house and they pull up in a, a Lamborghini, a shiny new Lamborghini. <laughs> and this is where I think it would be fun transition to, I, I let's talk about, you know, that the playoffs are coming closer every day. Um, and as Harden is still sitting out, um, questions remain about, Hey, how, how are the Nets going to come up with chemistry? How are they going to be good? How are, basically the narrative has entirely been, how can the Nets beat themselves? Cause I think it's almost become a, among the national media. And I think about most, most uh, team media also kind of assuming that, you know, the Nets are the presumptive favorites, you know, we'll, we'll try our best. And if, if hopefully the Nets beat themselves, but you know, is, is there any argument? Let's, let's do a little, little Socratic here uh, exercise. Is there any logic to any of these elite Eastern Conference teams contending in a seven-game series with the three-headed monster of Brooklyn? 
Where do you want to start? I, I, I think there is. I think uh, just to mention on Brooklyn, they've, they've suffered one blow this year or this uh, this past week with uh, Marcus Aldridge, unfortunately. Having yeah, to retire, we have to talk about that, man. Which was a huge disappointment. Uh, super. I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, what, what a career for this guy. Um, he's it's it's unfortunate players like this um you know how, how many players are, are forgotten um but have just been so so remarkably good throughout their entire career i mean lamarcus Aldridge is one of those guys who has who came into the league really um and, and did not change his game i mean he's been the constant um reminder of this early 2000s late 90s basketball that has become pretty outdated at this point. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is a relic, but he was still a really good player up until these, these late years of his season. Um, and I mean, Dame said it himself that the, the trailblazers should retire his jersey. But I mean, a fantastic um, career for, for a real, a real uh, great player in this league. And, and hopefully, you know, he's, he remains healthy. Um, but just, man, just such a, such a uh, weird unfortunate way for him to to end his very short career in Brooklyn I'm sure he was expecting to get a lot more out of it in terms of of pushing for his first finals appearance ever Um, but yes it's very very sad yeah it's just it's a real shame that we didn't even just get to see him be able to play up until the end of the season of course he made the right decision the age that he is I think he kind of knew his time was coming to an end anyway so it was just the best thing was just worry about his family and his health as he said but I mean the best thing about it all was that the fact that when he came into Brooklyn they were just letting him be LaMarcus Aldridge mm-hmm. they were just letting him go out there yeah. and you go you just do your thing you just you have fun out there so it's it's a that's a real it's a real tough one to take even though uh everyone kind of been looking for a reason to, to, to doubt the, the Nets a little bit but uh it, this is not not the way we wanted we wanted to come upon it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully he's safe and, and and good thing that you know he was able to retire early instead of this this becoming an issue. Um, but it just ran. It, it reminded me, you know, that there's so many. There's a lot of heart issues. You know, you, you see, you see them, and mostly in young players. I I'm forgetting his name, and this makes you feel bad. But like that that guy who's going to be a lottery pick a few years back, and then couldn't didn't didn't end up getting drafted in the physicals. He had a Marfan syndrome or something heart heart issue it's it's not it's it's rare but it, you know it's a story that comes up here and there but mm. um but yeah mo- moving on um i i, I think that the, the first team i want to talk about here um the bucks because i think i think the bucks are an interesting team but i think this might be one of the quicker quicker uh work throughs in terms of how how they can match up have you have you thought too much on how Milwaukee? I didn't actually even list out Milwaukee when we were talking about teams that had a chance against uh, the Nets. But let, I want to hear from you. Yeah, I think it, it's so hard to tell with Milwaukee. I think we had them that that obviously it's been this is the third the third year of uh, of Coach Bud now, and that obviously the last two years, the first year it was kind of they had the great. Um, regular season and then they went down to the Raptors and I think everyone was just kind of like okay it's just it's just kind of the first the first the first year of it well we'll we'll wait and see they'll bounce back next year and then of course they go down against the Miami Heat and now everyone's kind of like oh okay 
So what the hell is going on here? Is Giannis going to leave now? And Giannis signs his new deal. But now we're in this year and they're still having a very good regular season. But there's just that bit more of an element of dysfunction within the team. And some of the guys who really stepped up over the last couple of seasons have dropped have dropped the level. And the biggest thing for them is it's almost kind of a desperation year for them. It's kind of there is a real need for them to to win this year. And at the very least, if they're not making to the conference finals this year, there's some big problems in Milwaukee. Yeah, and and let, let's talk real quick on on the court. So, game one and seven game series, you're facing a presumably. I mean, this is a presumption we'll make for all these teams that Kyrie Irving is healthy, Kevin Durant is healthy, James Harden is healthy. They have their whole team minus Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, how how do you think they match up? Because I, I I like the starting lineup. I don't mind the starting lineup. But here's my thing: they are not a one of the things that the Bucks have, have lost over the last couple of years is their depth. They are not the same deep team that they were a year ago, two years ago. Brooke Lopez is not that same. Um, is is not really that that same that same deep three point shooter that was a real asset on offense. I mean, he's still a a solid defensive player on the inside, and he can still stretch the floor a little bit. But you know, their their best three: Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis against Kyrie, Harden, and Durant defensively I don't think that's bad I mean Durant said it himself Drew Holiday is one of the the toughest defenders he's he's faced but I mean let, let's face it who how are you I mean if you're if you're bud right now how are you matching that up it's kind of hard to to say I, I I feel like they'd probably go Drew Hart Drew with with James Harden Middleton on on Kyrie and then Giannis with uh with Durant, I feel like that's how they would go, and I think that would be a pretty decent matchup. I don't like obviously the the, the books, the the Nets three guys are three guys who are just elite scorers, and you're the, you're not going to stop them for a game. It's just the the question of disrupt disrupting them as, as much as you uh, as much as you possibly can. And in terms of that, it's it it's a pretty good matchup. It's just. Outside of that, I just can't see the Bucks having enough to, to to really worry worry the Nets enough. That that's interesting. So you, you'd rather have Middleton on Kyrie as opposed to to Durant because I, I I'm not sure. See, the, and then this is the thing. I don't think there's necessarily a right answer because when it comes to the Nets, it's going to take so much creativity in order to scheme against them. It's going to take some some crazy type of you know the the, the Jazz only defending. Harden's left hand the entire game like stuff like that if that was listen the, the Rockets the how good the Rockets were with just James Harden a, a collection of of uh of undrafted three-point shooters and, and and Chris Paul when he's healthy that that team forced defenses to completely change their entire schemes so for the Nets, like there's, it's going to take a lot of creativity. So I mean, let, let's be creative here. If you're having Middleton on Kyrie, um, that that I'm 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 all for it. That's that's interesting to me. I mean, I I'm not sure where I'd put Giannis, but the the thing is for for the Bucks, their defense is so good when Giannis is able to play free safety, when he's able to play help defense, when he's able to roam from the paint to the perimeter, and if you're sticking him on one of those three. 
it completely eliminates that. He has to be an on-ball defender, which he's very good at. Um, but, I mean, how much of Kevin Durant's offense are you going to negate with Giannis? Maybe a lot more than most, mm-hmm. but definitely not all. I mean, Durant's still going to score no matter what. So I, I wonder if, if teams will approach the Nets offense with just the idea of you, you can't stop everything. Maybe you stop some, but you have to – you have to maximize some of your defenders by not putting them on on their best player. I I, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I would have to imagine for for every team. Obviously, we're kind of saying the Nets are gonna gonna ease true true in the first round regardless, and then it's kind of when they come up against a team uh, that that are right are right up there and, and thinking they can they can challenge them. It's, it, the first game is probably just gonna be the tester game. They're not going to worry too much about the result. They're just going to see what's the best way that they can possibly match up, the best way they can maximize their chances of winning. That's what it's going to be all about. If you're playing against a three-headed beast, you're just going to have to just look at that, just really analyze that first game and and, and, and see where you can put your players and how you can match up to give yourself the best opportunity to win. That's all. That's... That's, I think, what the plan should be for any teams that are thinking about uh, go uh, thinking they have a shot against Brooklyn. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the reason why I think the argument doesn't last too long for the Bucks is you know you can you can imagine your mind you can get creative on defense and and argue. I mean, the biggest argument for me for the Bucks would be the interior defense of the Nets. I mean, the Nets have definitely improved defensively, but they still don't have what it takes to stop. Giannis from scoring inside. I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if this is the matchup that's happening, Giannis is scoring 35 a game easily, if, if not 40 a game on this team, because he's going to have to be the, the driving force here. But in terms of depth, in terms of uh, the Bucks defense, you know, I, they just don't have what it takes to to defend all three of the, I mean, it's going to take a, a team defense, which, you know, Bucks play good team defense, but just looking at how they crumbled against the Heat, Heat's three-point shooters last year, I mean, that's going to be a massacre against the Nets. I mean, all, all it's going to take, it's going to take everything to stay close with the Nets, but all it's going to take is, is a bench lineup where you throw in Kyrie or Harden, and then you got two of their three-point shooters in, in Shamit and, um, and Harris. All they got to do is go on one run, and then that's it. All it's going to take for a game for this matchup is one run, and then it's over for for the Bucks. So I, I think that's where it ends for me, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think I don't think I can make uh, too too much of an argument uh, against that. I think, uh, but man, pressure is on. Pressure is on you guys, Milwaukee. Drew Holiday got to step up big, and Lopez needs to return to his best. Or they are not even gonna. They they're not even in the question, really. Yeah, but return. It, this is a quick point. The return is is such an interesting word too, because I think Brooke really had a a awesome year the other year as, as a three point shooter, but like. Dude, he was, he's just not, he's just never going to be a career 40% shooter from like 34 feet. Like it's, it's just not going to stay up. So the the commitment the Bucks had to that was was interesting for me. But I want to move on. Let, let's go, um, and maybe some people disagree with me and go for it. But let's go worst to best, in my opinion. So let's go from Bucks. Let's go to Celtics. Let's go to Celtics. Can we, can we talk Celtics? Um and first of all, this, this would be an interesting match of Kyrie versus his old team. And then back back, back to the Bucks, so Giannis, and this is beef with, with Harden, a well-known uh, feuds between those two. But for Kyrie to go back to Boston and to face his former team, do the Celtics have what it takes 
to outscore the Nets. And their team defense has been fantastic over these last 11 games since the trade deadline. They've actually been the fifth best defense in the league. I mean, they held the Nuggets to 87 points. They held your uh, legendary Knicks right, <laughs> to 99 points. And uh, albeit uh, Lamello-less Hornets and uh, Gordon Hayward not being healthy, held them to 86 points. But you don't hold NBA teams under 100 without a good defense. And they've looked much better on the rotations. They've looked much more communicative. Marcus Smart looks more of the defensive leader that we've known him to be. Um, if this is the defense we get in the playoffs and we get um, the scoring elite duo of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the, the best scoring duo in the league right now, they're leading the league as, as, a, as a duo in scoring. Do they have a chance? I think they could make the Nets sweat a bit. I would just worry about it over seven games. Because mm-hmm. on any given night, Tatum and Brown can go toe-to-toe with any team in terms of scoring. They can absolutely annihilate anyone. But I would just think over seven games, they would they, – if they, they, they could definitely push it to seven, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But I just think that – the the Nets would just have that little bit, that little bit too much uh, over over Boston. But with those two guys, Kemba always capable of stepping up. Marcus Smart is capable of making some big shots as well as stepping up huge on the defensive end. So they could definitely, they're an outside shot. And obviously the a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking, my God, what the hell is wrong with Boston? They're going to hell. And now we're, we're right back in there thinking, they might just be them. They might, they might just be that team in the playoffs. They could be a bit of a, a Miami Heat from last year. Like it, it wouldn't be outrageous for something like that to happen with Boston this year. And for the Celtics too, you know, they were supposed to be a really good team, and it's all internal issues that are not super. I mean, they're, they're obviously on the court in terms of how their their playmaking and defense is lagged, and all, all things really pointing back to chemistry. So to see them get back to this point is, is really an encouraging sign, because I think, you know, once you can grasp your identity, once you can grasp hold of, of a late season push, I think that's something that this team can really coalesce around. That's something this team can can finally, you know, they, they can see themselves in the mirror and, and realize what the team that they are supposed to be. Um, but yeah, you, you, I mean, you, you are right over a seven game series. It's going to be tough to, to match the scoring. And I think that's not just going to come down to, I have no problems with, with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I think that Jalen Brown is going to be a, a, a central part, him and, and Marcus Smart being that defensive forefront um, against the Nets. Um, but Kevin Walker has looked a lot better. He's just had more of a spring in his step. Um, he's, I mean, he's still not getting back to his, his, his original form from, from last year and the year before, but he's looked a lot more confident on his pull-up jumpers. And, you know, that for him is going to be a major tool in the playoffs. I mean, if he, if he can be hitting those uh, pull-up threes off of off of uh, the high pick and roll, I mean, that that's something that defenses are going to have to respect. And that's something that's going to open up a lot for this team. I mean, Tristan Thompson, I think Bob Williams has continued to look a lot better. If those guys can continue to set good screens and, and keep um, – and, you know, the way that Rudy Gobert has has opened up things for the Jazz, if, if they can continue to be good screeners and, and good hard rollers and get things open for this offense, that's, I think that's going to be quietly a, a huge part of the Celtics. I mean, whether it's the Nets or, or really just, we had to talk first about the Celtics just being successful in playoffs. That's going to be a huge factor that I think that will help them out. 
Yeah, and they, they've added, added Jabari Parker now, too. I, mean, oh, I saw that this morning. I'm like, are you, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, so, someone tweeted, and this is the exact thought I had in my head. I, I didn't even see it as well. But uh, Danny Inch was like, oh, we're playing good again. I got to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, what, what, are you, what are you even going to do with him? Like, are you going to play him over, over Williams? Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what 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 the plan. I guess maybe we'll get some sort of idea over the last couple of weeks of the uh, of the regular season. But they they waived Mo Mo Wagner to to, to get him in, which is mm, sort of a little bit of a surprise. Obviously, he hasn't really done anything in Boston, but he he had looked good in, in some of his starts uh, over in Washington. But I mean, Jabari Parker, what a fall from grace! Now he's he's totally, he's becoming he's been a free agent for a while, and and we're all, we're already like, what the hell is any team doing him? Let alone a challenging team doing signing this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and and for Mo Wagner, man, like so Tice was cut, not cut. It was Tice was traded for um, Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett. Maybe Luke Cornett's four blocks convinced the Celtics this is the guy. This is the guy we need to keep, even though I'll tell you. I will tell you, watching Luke Kennett on the floor is not a fun experience, and I guarantee you that he's going to <laughs> choke. He's not going to hit the three-pointer when it matters. He's going. He's not athletic enough to if, – if you get a switch on him, it's an automatic points for the other team. But for them to have saved money by getting rid of Tice, who looks absolutely fantastic on the Bulls. I mean, this guy is, is definitely a starting caliber center, and to have him off the bench is just an absolute luxury for the Bulls. Not that that's doing me too many favors at the moment, but I mean to lose Tice in in the midst of a year where you need a playoff run and and his defense his his smart play, um, yeah, I, I think that's tough. And getting Jabari Parker and Luke Cornett for Daniel Tice, I I would never if that were a trade in, in a vacuum a, a trade deal offered, I, I would the phone would be hung up before you finished <laughs> your sentence. I, but I mean Jabari Parker's fall from grace has been well documented. Um, since since his days in Milwaukee and you know I there just isn't really a place for him in this league until he just recognizes one <laughs> he needs to play some defense and just don't say that you don't care about defense that, that's been a comment that is that has just he if, if you can go back and take back some things you said to the media I think that, that would be the first thing maybe the only thing he ends up taking back because I mean that this guy has been maligned for his defense forever and then for him to say i, I, I just don't really care about that much about it it's, it's just followed him his entire career yeah, I mean, it's, this okay. Is- <laughs> it's okay if you can back it up with, with 35 points every night i think people will be like yeah that's fair enough you don't gotta care too much as long as you're doing that but he has he, he has not been able to back it up uh, with with co- consistent elite offense uh, so yeah but uh, anyway yeah, I, I can't believe Jabari Parker inserted himself into this. Let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but so for, for the Celtics matching up with, with the Nets, um, I mean, it, defensively, I, I think that's where you can get creative. You, you got a guy, Marcus Smart, who can, who can really guard, I, I believe, the one through three. And he's, he's stout enough in the post to, to defend Durant. I, I actually would be interested to see if, if they put Smart on Durant, the way he can get around screens, the way he could survive in the post. I, I think putting Tatum on Durant would be a huge mistake. I, I don't think Tatum doesn't have the, the defensive experience, I think, to handle that. And I think you need Jalen Brown on, on Harden. That, that needs to happen. Kyrie, that, that might just end up be, you know, 
just hope he he misses a few. But yeah, I think even re- if you had if you had Kemba on, on Kyrie and, and made sure that that Tatum was there to help Kemba uh, on defense, because I think even if they started Tatum on Durant in games, I think maybe they'd move Smart maybe in the second half, kind of third quarter, fourth quarter. I think they might look to to put to put Smart on a on KD then maybe not for for the entire game at least to begin with anyway. Yeah, it and that and that kind of depends on and you know we're running these simulations in pretty in a pretty short fashion. I mean, if the Nets can the Nets can easily respond and, and change their because their offense is just so versatile. You can switch Kyrie and, and Harden and, and Durant. I mean Durant, you could be playing at the at the five, and then what do you do then? And I mean that that's that's honestly the that's the the nuclear the nuclear switch there. If, if they throw in another shooter and then they put Durant at the five or, I mean, Je- Jeff Green at, at the five too. I mean, that that's the, you know, what, what do you do then? And kind of the answer for a lot of these teams is nothing. I mean, the Celtics certainly can't do anything about it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe a save a little bit on, on time. I think that's where, I, I think this, if we're going to do a real Socratic uh, exercise here, I think it ends pretty fast for the Celtics as it honestly does for the Bucs, right? Um, but it, let's move on to the team you really want to talk about, if, if you will. I, I think you're, you're – and you, you made this point earlier in the season. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure, but the way that they've played recently and without Embiid too, um, 76ers, 107 defensive rating, second in the league. Um, like we said, two defensive player of the year candidates in Embiid and Simmons. You got Tybal, Green, Howard. Tobias isn't a slump either. What, what do you see out of this team in, in matching up with the Nets? I think Philly match up with the, this Brooklyn team as well as anyone else could, in all honesty. I think the way that they can switch on defense, the, the options they have, you, you're kind of comfortable with any of that starting five, really. Maybe if we're talking Seth Curry, maybe you're kind of questioning him. But outside of that, Joel Embiid, High quality defender, Ben Simmons, unbelievable defender. Tobias Harris, no slouch. You wouldn't you wouldn't be worried about him uh, guarding if he if he had to, to switch it even in, in situations on, onto any of the, the the Nets' big three. Green can still step up with big defensive plays, and the fact that Ben Simmons is probably going to be guarding Durant, I think that's what he said there. Obviously, Durant didn't play on. Um, on Wednesday night in, mm-hmm. that, in that game, but he was, that's what Sims command said. He said, I was going to be marking the rant. Then I found out he wasn't playing and I switched on to Kyrie. So that's kind of, obviously that's probably the plan for, for Philadelphia. And I just think the, the, the way that they, they play on both ends of the court, that's why they're going to be able to really challenge this Brooklyn team. There's, there's going to be, I don't care what team the Nets have out there. They have got no one that is going to really stop Embiid. I mean, on, on Wednesday night, it, it was DeAndre Jordan. And we were kind of, the commentators and top were like, oh, DeAndre Jordan's doing a pretty good job. And then all of a sudden, he was still doing that good job. But Joel Embiid still had 30-plus points, 13-plus rebounds. And that, 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 was, that was the good job being done on him. So yeah. I think he is just going to be so hard for, for the Nets to stop. And just like the, the Nets' big three will be hard for, for Philadelphia to stop. But... The way that they can rotate on defense and the way that they're 
uh, rotation was working off the bench. The, the, obviously, they got the quality defenders and the way that they're working, Tobias Harris in, playing with that second unit to start the second quarters, I think that's big for them because he he adds that scoring that they, they sometimes don't have if Shake Milton or Korkmaz, if the, those guys are, are, are struggling. And I think that's going to have another big impact on why why Philadelphia are really going to be a big challenge for Brooklyn. Korkmaz, got to give him a, a shout out. And he, he he's he's really showed up as a, a a reliable bench player for them. And I mean, inserting him into the uh, starting lineup uh, last night against the Clippers. I mean, he looks really good there too, hitting clutch clutch baskets, being a reliable shooter, um, being a reliable cutter. Uh, but I, I think that you said for for uh, Embiid. I mean, if he and he's in, is in the midst of completely reinserting himself very close to that uh, MVP uh, conversation um, for actually winning the MVP. I, I, I didn't know if he'd be able to make another push given how many games he's missed. I don't know if that's still enough to, to push him out of it, but damn, he is for all the games he's missed really making up for lost time. Um, I, I forget who, who the player was, but he's the first uh, 76ers player to, to score consecutive. He uh, was three consecutive 35 plus point games uh, in, I mean, decades. Um, since, since AI or Chamberlain or something, was it? It was, it was, it was, it was since AI. Uh, that's who it was. Yeah. Um, but man, I I wonder I wonder how much the defense can can slow down the Nets. I mean, they have they have every tool for for their shooters. You have Danny Green, you you have um, you have Thibel. I mean, Thibel too. I, I think he's a guy that I would absolutely be able to rely upon to be defending any of those three. Hmm. I mean, I I trust I would trust him honestly as almost as much as Simmons. But the tough thing is you can't have them both on the on the floor together. It's mm-hmm. just not enough not enough shooting to to keep Embiid on the floor and, and run that that low post. Um, I mean, Seth Curry. I mean, you're in terms of defense. You're right. You don't you don't want him getting switched on, um, which is going to be a huge problem in the playoffs. Um, but his shooting is going to be huge to, to have him alongside Embiid. I mean, he's been the most efficient three-point, one of the most efficient three-point shooters in the league uh, for years now. Um, but I think if you are matching up Simmons on Durant, if you're if you're having Embiid protect the paint, um, I'm, I'm not sure, though, how, how much Embiid's impact is going to be felt defensively. Um, the, the way that, that Harden can score a step back three. It's the way that that Kyrie can do Kyrie things. I mean, just talking about how he can get to his mid-range shot whenever he wants. And same thing with Durant. Um, I mean, Embiid's best quality is defending the rim. Um, I mean, obviously, maybe that you see the chain reaction of of completely eliminating um, their rim presence. But you know, their best, they're they're probably their their most important uh, attacker is Kyrie. And if if Joel Embiid is going to be defending Kyrie, getting past Seth Curry all night, I mean that's foul trouble waiting to happen. I I wonder how much of of his specific defensive impact is going to be negated by the play style of these three. It'd be different if you if it's like a, a Kawhi or or Paul George or um, Jimmy Butler, guys who really need to to feed off of their inside game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that that is that is a fair point, um, and it's kind of it's 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 a shame we didn't really get to to kind of get a little preview on Wednesday night, even yeah. if it was just even if it was just Kyrie and KD 
it, we would have kind of got a, a decent enough idea of, of what it what it might be like come playoff time. But yeah, I, th- I think it is a good point. But at the same time, I think Embiid has got good athleticism. He's got good move, uh, foot movement, footwork. So he 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 would be. I wouldn't be too worried about him getting in, in, into foul trouble. Obviously, the guys that he's going going to be going up against, like Kyrie, Hardy, yeah, they, 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 they can get they can get anyone into foul trouble at any time that they want. So yeah, it, it, it could become an issue, but at the same time, if if it's just him, if even if he's only having kind of the eighty percent impact that he usually would, it's still so much different to to uh, so much other players across the league and the impact he's going to be having on the offensive end is just going to be so massive. It, the thing with Philly is we still don't know for sure that they aren't just going to crumble when we get to the playoffs. I mean, stop. <laughs> it's been such it's been such a turnaround this year, but without anything huge really happening other than Doc Rivers uh, replacing Brett Brown as the coach and like <laughs> Last last season was just so dark and everything just seemed like it was going to hell. And now this year, just quickly turned around. It's like, oh, the good feelings back. Every everything, everyone feeling good. Joel Embiid is absolutely balling. Simmons having a having a huge defensive year, and the team as a whole, they're playing great basketball. They're top. They're top of the Eastern Conference. They've got the the uh, the advantage over Brooklyn, and I, th- I reckon they'll probably have similar records up until the end of the season. So that, that will probably stick with Philly being, being the number one seed. But at the same time, over the last couple of years, it, it, the main issue with Philly has been been the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think they are, are a better team. And I think Doc Rivers has got this team playing the right well, way and he's got Embiid playing to his strengths. But it, it, it's still kind of in the back of my mind, especially going up against an elite team like Brooklyn. I'm trying not to to think about it that way uh, because you know that's the Brooklyn, that's the uh, the seventy sixers of the past. I, I think that there's there's a lot there's a different makeup to this team, um, and you know maybe, maybe that story uh, rears its head again. But um, I I feel pretty confident in how they've relied on Embiid. I mean that's. There isn't this uh, question of okay, how do they balance out Ben Simmons and how do they balance him out with with Embiid, whose team is it? We want to make sure they get their touches, get get Ben Simmons the ball. No, this is Embiid's team, and Ben Simmons is completely bought into his role, and everyone's bought into the role. I mean, Doc, Doc Rivers has got this team functioning at, at their best. I think everyone's playing the role that they're they're meant to play. Nobody's there's nothing to really figure out at this moment. And I think they've really honed in on that play style uh throughout the year. Um I, I mean maybe in the upside side of that coin also could be, you know, how, how much have can they exploit Ben Simmons not being a scorer. I mean that's going to be a story that rears itself again. Um and and a thing that you brought up about you know we didn't get that matchup on Wednesday, right? With uh with Durant being out, Harden still out. It's it's interesting because we've easily looked at the Nets stars being hurt and not playing together. They've only played, what, seven, seven games, the three of them together collectively this whole season. I'm actually realizing <laughs> for, for these guys specifically, that's actually probably the best thing for them. No team has got to see these three players and figure out what their weakness is. Look, it, it took it took Achilles breaking into Troy and, and killing everybody until someone randomly figured out that, oh, you just shoot him in the ankle and he dies. 
and it, no, nobody got to 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 get a, a look at at uh at Achilles to to figure out how to to get rid of him. And nobody's going to get a look at the big three in Brooklyn to figure out all right what what weaknesses can we really exploit. You know, you can think of them, you can try them out, but you're going to be trying them out for the first time in a seven game series in the playoffs. Meanwhile, they're dropping 80 points on your head every game. So every team is going to have to experiment and figure out how do we stop them? Because no one's been able to see it all season long. So maybe Brooklyn has to figure it out, but you know, they're so talented that the rate at which they're going to just naturally figure things out in the court is going to be much faster than any team figuring out the X's and O's and how to stop this probably best offensive talent collection in league history. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a very that's a very very interesting point and I think I'd probably have to have to agree with you. One thing I will say about Philly going up against him is it would be interesting to see if Ben Simmons is given more of an opportunity to to kind of see the lanes open and be able to to use his speed to just attack the rim I and mean, that's the only way he's going to be scoring that we know that. And it would just, it's going to be interesting to see what way they set up defensively. He might have more of an opportunity to to drive in the lanes and be able to, to to finish at the rim. I think that what level of scoring he can produce, I think we expect him to produce an elite level of defense. What level of scoring he's able to produce if if uh, the Eastern Conference Finals ends up being Philly and Brooklyn, it, it, that could be a, a huge a huge marker as to whether or not the the 76ers are going to be able to um to beat the the, the, the three-headed beast but I, I will say we've seen it in the past often the first year of a super team it's gone bad in the past it hasn't always worked out this is probably the most elite level uh of, of super team that we have seen but it hasn't worked out in the past. I mean, last year with the Clippers, one of the big things people looked at was the fact that Paul George and Kawhi hadn't missed so many games. They played so few games together, and that was people put that down to why they 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 crumbled against the Nuggets. We could see that, or we could just see it all come together like we know it probably will, and they just well, go who, out who's who's the Clippers' third best player? Um, who was it? Who, who, who was it last year? They kind of switched around now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't Kyrie Irving. If it, I can if tell it you that. <laughs> if it doesn't immediately come to mind, and, and there's some, and there's some conversation, then then sure. Who who? I mean, who's the Miami Heat's third best player? I mean, easy answer: Chris Bosh, right? Uh, Kyrie Irving or Chris Bosh? Kyrie. Come on. Okay, so Kevin Love or Kyrie? In terms of talking about the Cavs. Who's third? Um, Kevin. Okay. Um, and this is assuming, you know, I, I mean, I think everyone agree that Kyrie is, is uh, their best out of all of them. I mean, name another super team and t- tell me that they're even close. I mean, all right, if you, if you want to start going way, 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 way back. I mean, even, even, even I mean, the, the Bulls are, I mean, the 90s Bulls are completely, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compare the two at all. But Could you, could you term- match, could you match Golden State? I no, I, I would. Who's, who's the third best player? Draymond. Clay. I mean, he, he's. Oh, are you talking about Durant? Durant. Yeah, Durant. Okay. Clay. Steph. Golden State's interesting. Uh, but at the same time, they were not. They no, I, stopped I, <laughs> until I, they no, until I they take, all got injured. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I'll, I'll take I'll, in this specific comparison, those two teams in this comparison, 
I'm I'm taking Kyrie. And the reason I'm taking Kyrie is that I mean Clay Thompson um is is I mean probably the best shooter in the world ever next to Steph Curry. It's pretty well documented. Um defensively, he's an all all NBA defense type of guy. You can guard one through three. Um is the, the thing is between him and Kyrie in terms of impacting how their super teams are going to play. I mean, I think Clay uh, had such an insane impact. I mean, you're seeing it right now and how the Warriors are playing, but I would say that the, the way the nets are able to change their place. I mean, Kyrie can play the, the one or the two, you can run him off screens playing off ball. You saw how well he did it in, in Cleveland alongside LeBron. I mean, he can play that off ball shooter role, just it, I, not to the same otherworldly level that clay does but then when you add in Kyrie's ability to i mean his on ball ability i mean just just doesn't even compare it to clay so i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take away from clay at all but i'd say in this example i'm taking Kyrie over over clay in in this in this specific team comparison yeah that's no that's absolutely fair but but i think in terms of i think the the precedent of you know super teams need uh time to kind of get used to each other. I think that definitely matters. I mean, look, look at how LeBron, Wade, and Bosch need to get together. Because, I mean, at their positions and their play styles, that there needed to be some flow to it. There needed to be some synergy between them. But I think the way that that Durant, Harden, Kyrie have have played, I, I think, you know, the, the way how versatile their offensive games are, how they can do so many different things, I, I think they can manage to just seamlessly Work, work things out and you know I might be proven wrong in, in the playoffs but um I, I don't think there's going to be a huge adjustment period yeah I think I think it's kind of hard to argue against that one thing I will say we, we saw in the 2014 playoffs with Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard if you can shut down one superstar it can have a bit of a ripple effect Obviously, we're looking at Harden and Kyrie are much uh, are, are more elite scorers than D Wade and Bosch but we saw that huge impact that Leonard had on, on LeBron James, those 2014 finals. And it really just killed the heat as a team. If someone can figure out how, how to try and do that, maybe that could be a, a route to success, but I'm going to call right, it right yeah. here. I'm going to call it right here. I'm back in Philly to be in the NBA finals this year. <laughs> I want to explore that real quick. And uh, I know we're running out of time here, but I, I totally agree with that. So, I mean, if, if say, say if Harden and Kyrie and, and Durant, playing this whole season and you know they, they fine-tuned everything and, and they got into a good rhythm of um Durant being their go-to guy Durant really starting initiating the offense maybe being being there everything flowed through Durant and and Harden and Kyrie filled in the gaps um sounds like an excellent plan right so if that's the flow they're going to the playoffs with and then you throw in Ben Simmons then you kind of like turn it on its head and you you don't you, you have to adjust from from the beginning then that that seems like something that that might be have a ripple effect, and then you have to go back to the drawing board, and be like, all right, how do we figure this out? We've been building this up, but no, they, they don't have that. They, there's the, again, like they've not developed any go-to player. I mean, Harden's been the clear um, best option as their point guard, um, and I mean, you you've seen how he and, and Kyrie have played. Maybe you can take some of that for what it's worth, but I there's no one point of attack for the, for the big three. You shut down LeBron James. I mean, you shut down all their playmaking outside of, outside of Dwayne Wade. I mean, that, that's, that was, that has a much more devastating effect than it does in, in Durant 
because then Durant just spaces the floor, Ben Simmons just hanging out, and then you let Kyrie and James Harden go to work, and then well, what's Ben Simmons going to do? Go go help inside? No, that's that's number three. I mean, there, there's there's going to be unlimited ways for them because again, how versatile these guys are offensively. It to take away one player is is not really going to have an effect on the other two. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, all I'll say is if Ben Simmons wants to jump up my top 25 on the 25, he better be marking, he better be guarding all three positions at the same time or else he's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how would he, I, I believe he can do it. I mean, the, the high, highlights he had, uh, or even just from, from last night against the Clippers, I mean, he, he went through two switches on two different pick and rolls in one in one possession, and then the, the ball swung, swung, and then went to the corner, and he was all the way at the top of the key. And after all that action, he ran all the way out to block the shot. I mean, he does. He's been doing this all season long. That the hustle plays the defense. I mean, he really wants his defensive player of the year, and um, I think it's going to take a lot for the 76ers to beat the Nets. But I don't think it's impossible. I mean, all these defensive matches. I think it's it's possible if if you get a uh, a Gonzaga type uh, performance from the the Nets, and you get uh, you get that type of effort that type of grit from the 76ers. Maybe, maybe you get that same type of result, but over seven games, that would be tough. I think the D the def, arguing defense over historical offense is going to take a heroic effort. I mean, that would be a great, that'd be a story down for the ages that, that the defense of the 76ers ended up over a seven game series, beating the Nets, if that's what happens. Yeah, that's true. One thing, at least we know one thing I do know is if if uh, Joel Embiid is not averaging thirty five plus a game, I I, not happening, will, yeah. I, I will be shocked. <laughs> yeah, um, I I, th- I think we we wanted to put the Heat in and and talk about them a little bit. Um, and I, I was I was taking some notes on them, but watching them lose to the Timberwolves list last night was just another reminder that there's just so many so many questions on this team, and and I I think. Uh, I think I'm, I'm good with I'm good with that for now. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, when we talk about playoff heat, yeah, it, it'll be different. Come come the playoffs, they, they will be there. But at the, at this moment, they're currently behind the Knicks, so I don't think we can really justify uh, talking them up to, to beat the uh, the Nets, despite the despite the fact that they were in the finals last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's. Uh, um, we got any time left here? What, what do you think? What do you think? I think I think we gotta we gotta talk a little bit about Denver because they've suffered a Let's, ginormous blow to them. Absolutely. We we can't leave here without talking about these injuries. I mean the, the, the condensed season is really starting to to pile up. You saw Donovan Mitchell get injured yesterday. Hopefully he's okay. MRI results should probably be out this morning. Um Jamal Murray's torn ACL. I mean, he was just starting to get into form. Um can the Nuggets replace his impact? That that's the biggest question. I, I really don't know. I think it, it's going to have to be like almost a, a combo from MPJ and Aaron Gordon. Obviously, MPJ is having, having a career year. Like Jokic has just been has been unbelievable. But I mean, Murray was the MVP of the bubble last year. He was the leader of the team in the playoffs. He led them to the conference finals last year. He's this. He's the second star, and it, it's it's a huge role to fill because I mean, obviously, Jokic is going to have to somehow add even more scoring he's going to have to add even more playmaking to what he's already he doing do anymore that's the yeah. thing and i was gonna bring like there's i like Jokic can take it to another level you, you can take more shots sure he's, he's been more efficient his, his usage 
his increased usage has never correlated with any decrease in efficiency. He's, he's continued to be an efficient inside out scorer. But the thing is that I, I don't think it's his best game. His best game is as a, a playmaker first and a scorer second. Um, I mean, this year he's made a huge jump in scoring, which is why he's at the top of, of MVP uh, conversation, I think. Um, but to, to make him be even more of a scorer, um, I, I think would would hurt what this team is trying to do. And really, when, when this when I pose this question, I'm looking right at Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. has all the tools, I think, to to replace a lot of what you're missing with Jamal Murray. I mean, Jamal Murray being um, co coming off uh, handoffs, Jamal Murray cutting to the rim, Jamal Murray um, taking one on one matchups. Um, I think Michael Porter Jr. at if if they're playing him at the four. I don't know what they're doing with Aaron Gordon there, but if he can get mismatches on the floor, I think he has the the talent, the offensive ability to get those mismatches and get those same type of shots. But it's it's going to take a huge leap for him in the middle of the season where I think he's gotten comfortable in his role as an off-ball scorer, which he's looked really good at. As, as a rebounder, off-ball scorer, he's, he's looked fantastic at. But can he take to the next level and be essentially what he was uh, projected to be, which is a go-to scorer? Um, and it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I mean, he's got the talent for it. Um, if I were to bet that it's going to happen, I wouldn't bet that it, was, it would happen. I mean, it's always tough for especially a young guy to, to go into this uh, position and, and immediately switch up like that. Um, but man, it's just a huge disappointment for this team that I, I think I was getting ready to talk about being on the brink of a championship run. Who, who knows if, if the way the West shook out, how that could have went for the Nuggets. Yeah, it's 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 just real. It's a, it's a devastator, especially for Jokic the, the the season he is he is having, and and the Nuggets just as a team they've been they've been awesome. They're sitting in fourth place in the West, or thirty six and twenty, and I think after they made that Aaron Gordon signing, that both of us were like, wow, that's just such a huge move. And when we get to playoffs, we're going to see the huge impact of this. But now we're going to have to see a, almost a different impact. He's going to have to be able to add just a little bit more scoring. I know his game isn't isn't is more based off his quality um defensive play, but he's going to have to add that little bit of scoring now that 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 Murray is down. And and for Jokic, it's just time this is this is going to be him proving that he truly is a, a great player, a great all NBA player in this league. If he can drive this team get this nuggets team was well, this is going to be a, this would be hugely deflating for them there here here in this news so if he can just pick this team up and drive them on to another positive playoff run it, it would really just show the world just how good of a player he is yeah um maybe Fasuno Campazzo. maybe maybe that's your your answer maybe a little monte morris pj dozier i think the way the nuggets have played um you 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 hope it's a it's scoring by committee that that bench unit um is going to have to to really step up um and oof and i mean just just what jamal murray jamal murray brings to the table especially when Jokic is on the floor it's you got to be attached to the guy you you got to play hard on ball defense he's he's going to hit big shots and if Jokic starts facing uh more pesky double teams 
it's, it's going to be because you, you, you don't have Murray on the floor. You, you don't have a, a guy that someone's really going to respect to hit that shot in the playoffs. So that's always going to be in people's mind. You're going to run that tape of, of Murray last season, in the playoffs, you know, defenses are still going to respect that amount of that offensive presence that he brings. Are they going to respect Kompato? Are they going to respect Monty Morris or PJ Dozier? Are they going to respect guys out there when Jokic is on the floor and, and how is Jokic going to respond to not having that? I, and maybe maybe this is a chance. You said, you said it. If, if he's going to lead a team without their second best player, all the way to do the finals, I don't, I don't I don't see it happening anymore. But I mean, if he can even just bring them to the Western Conference Finals again, yeah. I, I think that's a huge huge win for him. But in terms of the championship hopes, I I think Murray going back to his playoff supernova. If if that happened, that would have that honestly would have been the answer alongside their addition in, in Gordon and MPJ playing the way he was. But without that, that's, it's just not enough. It's just not enough for them to, to make it all the way. Like I was starting to see the signs of which, and it's, it's real disappointing. And I think a testament to how maybe it was a mistake and how the season was organized. Yeah, definitely. And I think it would really uh, bring it home to roost if, if Mitchell was to be out, out for some significant time as mm-hmm. well. Hopefully that yeah. would be all good. But, one thing I will say, obviously devastating well for Denver, and we wish Murray the, 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 the a quick as quick and speedy recovery. But it, it has opened the door for teams like Utah, like Phoenix. They're the two top teams in the mm-hmm. West at the moment, and it and it's got to give them that little bit of a boost and make them even that little bit more confident of of going all the way to the finals or or even just making it to the conference finals. I mean, they're both teams that, especially the Suns, just happy to be in the playoffs and delighted to be in the position they're in, but. They've got to they've got to see that and think, wow, that that that's one more big dog that are, are, are they've got they've got they've got an injured leg and we we got to take advantage of that. Man, I mean, even even a team like I mean the I don't know if I don't know if the Warriors or or the the Pelicans I don't know any any team on the outside looking in who might have to face the uh, the Nuggets in the first round, even even teams like that you know, can, can start to think, all right, I, I can make an argument that, that without Murray, they, they have a chance. I mean, the, the, the Nuggets are, are not, I mean, the, the conversation doesn't go to, all right, can they make it to the championship? I think that the real conversation is, do they face any first round matchups that, I mean, this is the Western Conference, man. I mean, can they face any first round matchups that could spell the end for, for their run here? It's, it's not, it, it's a very high possibility given the amount of talent. I mean, if they face the Mavericks in the first round, are you, are you telling me that without uh, the shot making of, of Murray and if, if MPJ doesn't step up, that's that could spell the end. Yeah, I think uh, Denver they they got they got to get some plans in place and they got to they got to find a way to 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 nullify this loss as much as they they possibly can. But yeah, I'd be worried about them if they're going up going up against Luca, going up against Steph. If that's how what what it ends up being, I think there there there'd be a a few worries in the back of their minds there that could could be an early exit. But the main thing we all need to think about from this week is the Knicks are absolute legends, and that's and that, that's 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 what you, we need to leave. Shameless, there is absolutely no connection there. You just shamelessly had to, to stick that back in. Fine, I'll, I'll let you have it. The, the way things have been going, that's great. But um, a little preview for our next episode coming out. Excited to talk about it. We're, we're going to talk about the. Um, best duos, the young duos in the league and, and evaluating how these players are going to 
to stay with their team, continue to contend. And we've got so much young talent in this league, and it, I look forward to talking about it. But I, I think right now we've we've covered the the best of the East. None of them seem to stand up against the Nets. We've covered some unfortunate injuries here. Jazz have looked good. Nuggets have looked good. We'll see how they continue. But at any rate, be watching that basketball. Ronan, you have a great day, my friend. It's good talking to you as usual. You too, man. Stay posted. Go, go get some sleep. <laughs> oh, I, I will. <laughs> joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment